It's good to see everyone and to gather together. Pray everyone had a wonderful weekend so far, this 4th of July weekend and all of the complexity that it holds. And especially as we reflect on the nature of this nation in this particular moment, um, it's a lot to consider. Our scripture passage from Matthew 5, it comes from the gospel, and it's part of a portion, a small portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, within Christianity, the Sermon on the Mount is the gold standard. It's the deepest uh, teaching, the greatest sermon ever preached um, by the founder of our faith, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. He had been calling disciples. He had been working miracles. He had been exercising demons and doing some very uh, profound works. And people began to catch this vision, or at least Jesus began to catch the attention of the people. And they're very interested of this peculiar person who had arisen among them. And they began to follow and flock to him for different reasons. And we find here that all the people had, had gathered around and they'd been there for quite some time and they were not so much in the wilderness, but they're not in an urban environment anymore. They had stepped beyond uh, the boundaries and borders of Jerusalem and Galilee and the villages thereabout. And they're watching Jesus and they're waiting for Jesus to do something. And I'm sure he was teaching them and healing among them in this time. And it says that there were about 5,000, but because they did not consider women or children, there were probably likely more than 10,000. And as time went on, he realized that the people were going to get hungry, that the day was coming to a close, but there wasn't enough provisions for all the people. So he waited and a boy appeared among them and he had the 12 fish and the 12 loaves and, and he multiplied it and he had the people sit in groups and in families or community groups and thousands of people. I imagine it's a very festive event. I'm sure some were playing music. I'm sure some were in deep conversation. I'm sure, sure some were probably caught up in their own um, quarrels and inner conflict or interpersonal conflict. Children were likely running around. And it was a, what I imagine a very festive scene when you get all of these people together for a charismatic leader, for Jesus, who is the Christ. And while he's there, he decides to retreat. And so the crowds remain among themselves, and the disciples, a little different than the apostles. Every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. Apostle is kind of like, a, in a sense, the administrators or, or the, the leaders. They're the ones responsible um, for this new movement, the ones in Jesus' inner circle. And so the disciples, the students of Jesus, see that he goes up this mountainside and they begin to, to follow him. We don't know how many disciples, and because it doesn't say apostles, at least 12, and we know that he sent out 80 at one time, and another passage of scripture says it, it alludes to a couple hundred disciples. So it could be 
a small handful or a large group of disciples that follows Jesus. And Jesus ascends up to this mountainside and he sits down. And the disciples who had separated themselves from the crowds follow Jesus. And they also go up the mountainside and they, they sit near Jesus to hear what he will say, to see what he will do, to be near his very presence. Some of the crowds, some of the people in the crowds will likely eventually become disciples of Jesus. Some of the disciples will eventually fall away from Jesus's teachings, maybe going back into a sense of the crowds or into just the regular culture of the time. So there's this ebb and flow and there's this synergy, synergy that's happening in, this, in the culture of this space in this moment. And so Jesus is sitting with those who decided to hear his teaching and he begins with the Beatitudes, with the blessings, blessed are the poor and Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are you who are persecuted. Blessed are you who, who are peace builders and all of these things. And he's blessing the people. And he's, in a sense, locating where you can meet God. You can find the blessing in these places. In these often out-of-the-way places. In these people who are often overlooked or stepped on and stepped over and ignored and too often invisibilized. And he says, this is where the blessing is. It doesn't matter what you're going through. In a sense, it does matter. But what really matters is, are we being near to God? Are we being in alignment with God's will? In our situation, whatever it is, are we responding from a posture of love? And are we seeking understanding? Are we seeking to remain in the blessing when the world around us is trying to disrupt us and to discomfort us and to pull us out of this and in a sense to return us back into those old ways in which we used to find ourselves? And so Jesus begins to, I'm going to pull up the passage here too. Jesus begins to, to go into the Sermon on the Mount. And while he's teaching, he's telling the people, you are the salt of the, salt of the earth. You're the light of the world and, and other such things. And he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your parent in heaven. In a sense, what Jesus is introducing is what a lot of clinicians and psychologists and social workers and others are now discovering and have established this notion of transference, we transfer things back and forth between one another. Um, someone hurts me, I want to hurt you. Someone call me a name, I want you to feel the same pain that I'm experiencing. And we begin to create this cycle of harm. And this pain and this woundedness just keeps going back and forth. And there's no change. And there's no disruption to these harm cycles. And Jesus was recognizing this and knew this and was teaching this in this first century Sermon on the Mount. 
And so he's saying, instead of transferring harm, instead of continuing to be complicit and to perpetuate in these harm cycles, that we need to step out of these harm cycles and begin to do this work of transformation. And the only way to transform violence or harm doing or offense or other such things is to seek understanding, to root ourselves in the teachings of Jesus and to respond with love, to have the posture of love. Now, this doesn't mean if someone is causing us harm that we stay close and say, I love you. Sometimes to love someone, we have to separate from a distance. Jesus says to love others as you love yourself. So we begin by loving ourselves in a sense, because we can only love one another with the measure with which we love ourselves. And so Jesus is doing this deep teaching, and it is hard. It's hard to love those who seem to hate us, who seem to want our way of life to be limited, who seem to want to put restrictions upon our very humanity, who seek to persecute us or whole segments of society with whom we find ourselves in solidarity with. It's hard to participate in that transformative work. But this is what Jesus is calling us to, to root down and not to participate in the complicity of the world and these harm cycles, but to take that posture of love and to respond with love, love can look a lot of different ways, but to respond with love. And Jesus continues, for God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors, those people who rob us, those people who take for their personal gain, as well as who take for us and invest in military industrial complex, prison systems, all of these kind of things, do not they do the same? And if you only greet your siblings, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles or the people in the world essentially do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly parent is perfect. But this perfection isn't never making a mistake. It's not having any oops moments. In a sense, this word, the Hebrew word for, for translated here as perfect is often um, understood better as be whole, be complete. Don't compartmentalize your faith, your politics, how you socialize. Don't decompartmentalize because that can lead to disintegration, but be a whole person. Integrate all of these things into your life so that we can live from our authentic humanity, the fullness of who God designed us to be. See, even the wealthy and the worldly love their own, the tax collectors and the Gentiles. We need to step a little further. We need to go a little bit deeper in and really practice love for all of humanity, for each other, prioritizing the most vulnerable and those on the margins and underside of society, but also cultivating this compassion that goes beyond ourselves, that goes beyond this kind of binary or dualistic way of thinking, who's in, who's out, 
us versus them, but really having this more nuanced perspective of love. To be children of God, we are to love and we are to pray. It says pray for those who persecute you. Sometimes I pray, oh, vindicate me, oh Lord. Bring judgment upon those, you know. When I, I still do, I work at the Bari Mission, but years ago I had, a, I had, a, I had two bosses and I was, I was praying for one that he'd leave. I was like, Lord Jesus, your will, not mine, but I pray your will is to remove this person. And I found two other people were praying the same thing. And we began to bond together and pray. And it was quite a time, quite a time. But I don't think that God is necessarily calling us for this vindication, but calling us to pray that minds will be changed and hearts will be changed because this is the transformation that we're invited to. We're called to participate in these things. And when we're able to hold space for various conflicting views and we seek understanding and we allow space, I preach this, but I got to practice it because it's hard, hard work. Holding space for conflicting views and people usually do come to a right resolution eventually. Sometimes it's generational work, but this is what we're called into, to look beyond ourselves and to practice this deep, radical, subversive, and transformational love because the sun sh does shine on everybody and the rain does fall on all people. And so our love should also fall upon all people. Um, it doesn't mean we don't do the work. It means we do the work because it's love. It's because our love is actively engaged and we deepen into this work. But it's really hard. It's really hard. And this is where we need to be able to kind of forgive ourselves sometimes when we maybe react when we should have responded. Um, it says, be perfect as your heavenly parent is perfect. This isn't perfection. Uh, I think a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I was talking a little bit about that uh, Japanese pottery. How if sometimes Japanese in, in Japanese ceramics, if a piece breaks, um, they'll fix it with gold. So it's just more beautiful. You can see the brokenness of it. It's still there, but it's more beautiful. And the value increases. This is us. Like we make mistakes. But to be perfect, it means then when we do fall short or cause harm or get caught up in this harm cycle and are perpetuating violence, even interpersonally, because we speak a lot of violence with our language as well. So when we become aware of that, to use the Christian language, we confess and we repent. We say, I'm sorry, I've fallen short. And then we turn to right action, to participate in that right action. So may we commit to this hard work. May we be disciples. May we come out of the crowds and be disciples of Jesus and really lean into this holy work so that God's kingdom does enter in. So thank you for letting me share some and from this passage. Uh, let's close in prayer and then we'll have a song. Holy One, we praise you and we love you. We thank you, O God, that you reveal the God self to us as love in the person of Jesus. We pray you breathe upon us and your spirit moves among us. 
Let your blessing continue to rest upon us and let us remain and dwell within your blessing that we live from that place, that we live from a posture of love. Let your blessing be upon us and all that you have called us into. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.